This is your other brother's podcast. Other Brothers Podcast, Navigating Faith, Homosexuality, and Masculinity Together. I'm your host, Tom, and here with me, as always, as in the last one episode, it's my brother, Jacob. What's up, Jacob? Hey, guys. And joining us, (laughs) this is so weird, (laughs) joining us from afar is our other brother, Ryan. What's up, Ryan? Hello from Raleigh, the city of Oaks. So far, <laughs> coming in from Raleigh, the city of Oaks is Ryan. Yeah, it's it's kind of a little flip flop this month. We uh, we're switching things up a little bit. And Jacob, we're together, and Ryan, you're far away, but the bonds are still there. We've switched our puzzle places around, puzzle pieces around, but the image, the overall image, is still mm. clear yes. and bright and promising. And and we're back, and we're talking about what else but intimacy mm-hmm. all over again because once wasn't enough with us three we had we were too intimate not enough intimate i think we need a third part where jacob and i are in the same room together <laughs> right. and yeah skyped in tom <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Tom. i think that's that's that should be a thing can we make that happen i'm not gonna force it Please. but if y'all no. feel led by the spirit to do that 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 could be great um yeah you guys thanks for coming back thanks for braving the the intimate waters once again because we are once again talking about intimacy because we have so much to say about it and there's lots of stories and wisdom hopefully to be gleaned and we're just going to have a good old time getting intimate once again intimacy i'm trying to figure out like intimacy part two doesn't sound right i'm thinking what let me workshop the title for with you guys because by the time our listeners listen to it it's already titled it's already done but but what is it what are y'all's thoughts on what to call this episode because if intimacy part two is off the table what would you what would you call it what do you what do you think? Hmm. I honestly I don't have a great answer, but I think Ryan does. He just feels like a very intimate person. <laughs> uh-huh. That uh-huh. Can think of titles for part twos. <laughs> wow, y'all. Because here Cricket. y'all wanna know y'all wanna hear what my brilliant idea was? Absolutely. Which is probably the one that people hear when they clicked onto their iTunes, they sub- they subscribed, they saw episode 48, and it's called more intimacy. What do you think? <laughs> clever. <laughs> what do you think? Very, very clever. What do you think? Very clever. I like it. Yeah. I mean, I would say... That's what we're talking about. We're talking about more intimacy. This, for the fact that we are doing this in the same place, Tom, it does mm-hmm. feel more intimate because I'm actually... I can look at you and right. talking, which... It's a whole other a, level yeah, of intimacy. A whole, a whole new level. And you see, this one is different because a little behind the scenes, like, this is it. We're peeking behind the curtain for everyone that's always wondered we've done two-part episodes in the past which were recorded in one setting like it was a massive three and a half four hour conversation that just took place in one setting that there's no way we could do one that we could turn that into one episode so we split it up into two episodes but that so is not the case in this one in this one we we talked for like two and a half hours last time and we may talk for two and a half hours this time but they're two separate recordings it's kind of this like unexpected two-part podcast that's happening and and so here we are intimacy 
more intimacy <laughs> because that's how it happened. <laughs> Meanwhile, here in Raleigh, uh, I'm sitting here alone. And so for me, this is less intimacy. <laughs> less intimacy. <laughs> for some of us, more intimacy. For some of us, less. And for some, like myself, just just the right amount each time. <laughs> the same amount. The same amount of brother times. <laughs> in any case, whether you're experiencing more intimacy or less intimacy since our last podcast, whether you're on this show or listening to the show, um, I'm glad glad you're here. I'm glad we're talking about it again. I think there's, yeah, like I said, lots more lots more to say. Mm-hmm. All right, so it's time, y'all, then. Let's just let's waste no time. The Brother Beat with Jacob and Ryan and Tom. This is our exciting intro segment where we just kind of start to get to know each other. We're trying to stir some conversation and... And it's a great opportunity also to throw in some extra bonus content for all of our faithful yabbers and yabbies supporting your other brothers on Patreon. And we do this bonus podcast called The Yabalog every single month. And the, we, I always say the, the brother beat that isn't as good, <laughs> isn't as dynamic, isn't as fresh, doesn't really fit in as much, that gets relegated <laughs> To the Yablog. And Jacob, just because I relegated your brother beat to the Yablog last time, doesn't mean that this time, like, you don't have a strike against you. Like, we've all been relegated. Ryan's been relegated a couple times. I've been relegated. I myself have been relegated. So, like, everyone goes to the Yablog at some point. But in many ways, the Yablog gives your brother beat the freedom to be whatever it wants to be. Hmm. It can survive on its own. That's a really interesting mixed bag of (laughs) criticism and compliments. Uh Uh-huh. Your beat isn't good enough to be with everyone else's, but it can be whatever it wants to be over in the wasteland of <laughs> the wasteland the Yabalog. of the Yabalog. Subscribe now to the Yabalog. Whenever my brother beat winds up in the Yabalog, I prefer to call it more bonus than the others. <laughs> <laughs> more bonus. More bonus than the others. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, so just like yeah, like we've done the last few episodes, we'll have two brother beats on this particular podcast and we'll save one for the Yabalog for extra bonus goodness over there every single month. So, so let's, uh, let's dive in and, and start talking about stuff. Ryan, let's go to you. Yes. This is straight to the deep end. Um, I, what I've been reminded, well, so, okay. I'm periodically reminded of this truth about me that sometimes it's easy to forget, but sometimes like reaches out and slaps me in the face, which is that I have, almost zero desire to ever be a dad. Like I love, I love kids. I work with kids at church, but I have like zero desire to be a dad. And, um, and like that, that kind of like drive to reproduce and have kids is completely foreign and alien to me. Like, I don't understand what's going through my friends' heads when they decide to make their own children instead of like, uh, adopting, for example, like, you know, I can recognize, okay, it's good. It's, it's refining to raise children and God teaches you a lot, but you could do that with adoption, right? You know, like, I don't know. So that's, that's this whole big thing. But I was curious to ask you guys, like, uh, which side of the fence do you fall on? Like, how do you, how do you, would you relate to that kind of, uh, fatherhood drive or, or, is that also sort of foreign waters to you? Well, I can answer that first. I think I actually connect a lot with what you said, Ryan, of like, I've really never felt called to fatherhood in that sense. And it's not been something that's been a, a passion or a desire, which I've always taken as actually a positive thing because Mm. in this, in this calling of, 
probably lifelong singleness, it would be really challenging if that dream of having children of my own was something I was really wanting. But because of that not being the case, it kind of feels almost like a blessing of with all the other things that I feel like I might have to sacrifice on this journey, that isn't one of them. And that I think I'm actually thankful for in Mm -hmm. a lot of ways. Yeah, I've had an interesting journey with fatherhood, the notion of fatherhood, because for years, like years and years and years, I really did want to be a dad. And don't mistake that for saying that I don't want to be anymore. But I will say that, yeah, for years and years and years, the idea of being a dad was way more appealing than the idea of ever having a spouse, ever having a partner, ever having someone annoyingly there all the time like that just I just couldn't get behind that but the idea of having a kid to care for especially the more I've done like tutoring I've worked in all kinds of youth environments tutoring and working at camps and various schools and learning centers and and youth programs there is something inside of me that like really treasures the aspect of being a dad um yeah and that a lot of that I think just goes back to feeling like my own childhood was broken and not what it could have been, that there was something missing. And the idea that I could like, I don't know, like kind of have a firsthand perspective on what a kid needs in this world and to like know that, know from my childhood what was lacking and what I needed that I could bestow that upon on whoever my son or even my daughter could be. Whenever I think about fatherhood, I always, for some reason, I never picture daughters. I was always like, I would only ever have a son <laughs> because I know how to deal with boys, but not girls. Um, So there's that. But then I would say in recent years, I've kind of softened on that a little bit or hardened. I went one way or the other. I went the opposite direction in the sense that I just realized that this world is incredibly broken and it's only getting like more broken in so many ways, just like more access to pornography and technology is getting crazy. And kids are like, I don't know, it just feels like younger and younger kids are getting screwed up and messed up. And it's just because the way the world is going and the culture is going and the idea of bringing a kid into this world is really now not appealing, Mm -hmm. certainly by procreation, but even, I don't know, I guess maybe adoption would be that exception because I'm not, the baby already exists in adoption or the child already exists in adoption versus like creating a new one from scratch. That's not appealing really. But, um, so I don't know. I still kind of have this like, tender spot in me that it was like I and people have told me over the years like Tom you would be such a good dad and that's so if nothing else that's so affirming to hear when people tell me that but whether or not I actually enact that like I always say let me start with a dog first and let Mm. me see if I can take care of a dog and then if that goes well (laughs) maybe I can uh, think about adoption from there but if I can't even commit to taking care of a dog then I'm nowhere close to being able to take care of a kid I don't think I've ever actually been to told that I would make a good dad, which mm. is now concerning me. I had never oh, no. thought about that. You would make I a think, good dad. I don't yeah. think anyone's ever... Jacob, just, you would okay. be a great dad. So so I, Look at that I've beard. Felt, That's such a dadly wow. beard. Aww. Dadly beard. You, and you're balding, so that'll be <laughs> good for you. In That's the right. Absolutely. I just, I think, I find that I'm really awkward with children. I think mm. I, I thrive from age zero to two and a half. Like, I love... <laughs> Love babies. Oh, see, that's my worst. Great there, but then from three to twenty, I'm just an awkward mess. I don't know what to say, how to be myself. 
just ah, yeah. It See, I'm having this problem. Naturally. I'm an uncle, and uncle for the Same. first time. Well, <laughs> it's yeah, you're an terrifying. Uncle too. Well, yeah. So my little niece is she just turned one in the fall, so she's a little over one year old. And my brother, who's been on this show multiple times, is such a goofy, extroverted, outgoing person. And my niece loves him. She'll mm. see his face, and he makes like the weirdest, goofiest faces, and she just falls in love and googles and grabs his beard and hair and loves him she'll look at me and like her entire face will literally change and she'll just stare at me like literally she'll just stare at me like who is this person wait get back the funny one why do i have to look at this one and so then we take we have all these awkward pictures together of just like we're just looking at each other and i try to be excited and force it but it just doesn't translate and i can't and so i'm really holding out that this like eventually i'm going to win out like my brother's (laughs) winning right now because he's got the goofy thing going for him and she's just totally sensory right now but um, but yeah, give it a few years and she becomes moody and she needs like, <laughs> she needs like mm-hmm. someone to talk to or someone. Yep. I think that's when Uncle Tom is really gonna shine. Absolutely. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just wait till she's like an angsty teenager. I know. I'm really connection. just I'm biding my time. <laughs> yeah. So Andy, your your mm-hmm. time is numbered, and I will have my day. I will be the cool uncle soon. I know I'm not now, mm-hmm. but I'm waiting, methodically waiting. <laughs> yeah, that was good, Ryan. That was mm-hmm. a good question. Absolutely. That's a strong contender to make it into the episode. Let's see what Jacob <laughs> Let's see what Jacob has to, see what to you got, offer. Jacob. A lot yeah. of pressure. Okay, so we dove into the deep end. Now we're gonna doggy paddle over to the really shallow end yeah. of the pool. But sticking with the theme of intimacy and intimates, I like to talk a little bit about underwear. I'm glad you're bringing this up. What could be more intimate than our undergarments? And I know that last episode we refused to let lingerie right. be big lingerie. We'll have no say. We won't have any of that. But no. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring in just a taste of that. So is there a word for male lingerie? Is that a thing? <laughs> not that I know of, but who knows? Okay. So anyway, underwear for me for most of my life has really never been something that I gave much thought to. Like mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that I wore Hanes until I was probably 18. And a lot of my underwear, I think like most boys, was bought by their mom. And mm-hmm. so you just wear what you have and it's not a big deal. And it hasn't been until recent years that I've actually put in a little bit more thought and a little bit more care into what I wear in terms of underwear. What and you underwear. What I underwear. <laughs> <laughs> and I have found a desire for both comfortable but also good looking underwear and having like more bringing in more interesting colors and patterns Mm. i don't really know why though i desire to be more interesting because 97 percent of my time (laughs) my underwear is seen only by me and so i would just i'm curious to hear y'all's journey with Mm. underwear and what that's this is good this is a really i don't know how you feel about talking about underwear ryan and i don't necessarily (laughs) feel excited to talk about it right now Mm. but i'm also i see the value in it because i've been on an underwear journey myself the last couple years what about you ryan have you been on any kind of underwear journey oh yeah i think that's (laughs) yeah 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 (laughs) tell Um, us tell us your underwear journey i really yeah i can relate to what you said jacob of like you know i grew up in hanes or fruit of the loom whitey tidies. So, uh, yeah, I, I wore that all through, you know, all through middle school in high school, I started to branch out to, uh, boxers and boxer briefs, mostly boxers. And eventually I settled on boxer briefs and I did find that 
buying good underwear made a difference in my day-to-day life in that it was more comfortable and, um, and just, you know, made me happier. Um, but also it felt nice to like treat myself to that and like say, okay, yeah, my, my body is worth spending a little bit of money on underwear, even though, um, I'm the only one who's going to appreciate it. And that's, that's fine. I'm, that's enough. That's enough of a reason. And I have not, um, I've only recently started buying underwear with, uh, patterns, but I don't know. It's kind of nice. It's like, it adds like a little bit of energy that only you know about. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Energy that only you know about. That's mm. a great descriptor. My favorite, my very favorite brand is Pair of Thieves and they have it at Target. Oh my gosh. Are we, ag- yes, wait, are do. we agreed on this? Why are we, yes, why are do. we all on the same page? <laughs> We're all pairing of thieves. That is amazing. Yeah. It's like, and there's like one type, the type that's like the kind of, uh, I forget what they call it, but the kind of meshy type. Um, that's like the good one. The other one isn't, isn't don't spend your money. Sure. So we were literally at target like three hours ago, <laughs> perusing the pair of thieves underwear section and just touching. It's kind of so awkward actually mm-hmm. touching all these exposed pieces of underwear, just hanging there and just feeling them. That's it was kind also of kind of awkward that there was, there's a, a woman there yeah, stacking there things. There was a yeah. female <laughs> employee very close to us. Too. I think we were kind of, in her way, even as yeah, we were looking yeah, at yeah. the underwear and just we were talking about rude, it actually. and touching it. And yeah, that was. If I'm shopping for underwear, I require complete solitude. <laughs> <laughs> I need everyone. It's like it's like entering in one of those lavatories on the airplane and you slide the lock, it turns yeah. green to red. It's like everyone <laughs> stay away everyone from stay the away. bubble for the yeah, next I'm, 30 seconds. I'm pretty confident this is the first time I've ever looked at underwear with another human being. Wow. So this is that's a pretty intimate thing. That was intimate. That was intimate. Yeah, I, I am astounded right now that we are all on the same page with Pair of Thieves. Mm. Big shout out. Hey, if Pair of Thieves, <laughs> Pair of Thieves honestly, this. if Pair of Thieves would sponsor this podcast, that would be amazing. Um, it would be such a good sponsor. For, I for really would. I might, I, might, I might send an email to the Pair of Thieves department because then if they gave us a code to like give to our listeners, wow. that would be so cool. That would be cool. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray about it, y'all. <laughs> pray about this with me, okay? Um, yeah, so my underwear journey started out in tidy whitey land and it was the worst. I felt especially like growing up in like in my household talking about like intimate things was just so off the table and underwear is so intimate. <laughs> and so meanwhile, I'm like forced to wear tidy whiteys while clearly I go to the locker room, everyone's changing. Like I grew up in a boxers culture. Like mm-hmm. all the other boys are wearing boxers and I just feel that's just like such a simple stupid but also really profound way that i just felt different because i just Mm. go to the locker room and i look around i'm like why why do they get to wear all that and i'm wearing this and so when i was like when i grew up when i started to purchase my own underwear i made the switch from like tidy whities to boxer shorts and did it just because i was like yeah now i'm equal but like they were so uncomfortable and it was obviously the brand that i was buying like it was probably just standard hanes fruit of the loom whatever like one of those five packs with like the little slash through the five. That's actually six. six. You get six. It's actually that many. Whoa. Um, but they're just like so uncomfortable and they ride and they're just not, and they're like hard. Like it's not, it's like, why do people stuff their bodies into these? It is so ridiculous. And it's only been like in the last. Okay. So then I, I'm sorry. So then there's many chapters to my underwear journey. So mm. bear with me. Y'all. So then after taking the hard turn 
to boxer short slam. Then I realized, okay, like I hear about these boxer briefs, which I guess is like some kind of middle ground. And so I'll try those out. And so then I tried that out for a while and that was good. That was fine. You know, I was comfortable. I was no longer like forcing myself into something that was awkward and uncomfortable. Um, but it was the same thing. You know, you go to, to Walmart and you buy the pack with the four, with the slash, with the five. And, and you buy these like five packs of things that'll last you like three months before they get disgusting and, and hold holy, mm. not good holy, but bad holy. Bad holy. Um, yeah. And, and they were always like safe colors, you know, they're always black, gray, or like the light blue color. Mm-hmm. And it was just very safe and boring. And then I don't know what inspired it, but all of a sudden, like, I just start branching out and I'm just like, you know what? Life is more life. We deserve more than this preach five pack of awful underwear that is going to be ruined in an, a few months. Like this is ridiculous. I cannot live like this anymore. And and then I just started trying like new underwear companies. I would listen to podcasts and there would be, that's probably where I started learning about it. Like some podcasts would be sponsored by different underwear companies. And so I went through this me undies phase. I'm actually, I'm coming out of it now. I'm coming out <laughs> of this me undies phase. Cause I heard a lot about me undies. It's like five times softer than cotton. It's like, Whoa, how can it be softer than cotton? Let alone five times. And they're pretty soft. I gotta say they're pretty soft, but, um, but they're like, sorry to interrupt. Aren't they hand wash only? No. Oh, (laughs) they're not hand wash only. No, they, but the problem with the me undies, like really soft material, but also kind of righty and not as firm, I guess, as I would like them to be. And also expensive. And, they're like $20 each. Yeah. Well, yeah, they're expensive, wow. but like I've never let the price deter me because I'm like, honestly, if there's one part of my body that deserves to be comfortable, mm. it's that. So if it means paying $20 a pair, then I will, by gosh, pay $20 a pair. And I've only now recently, yeah, in the last maybe six months, eight months, made this realization at Pair of Thieves. And it came on a lark when I saw a Pair of Thieves pair of boxer shorts on clearance at target. And I was like, I'm just gonna, it's like $2 changed. and try it out. And it was the most comfortable, like, yeah, honestly, I guess the most comfortable pair I'd ever worn. And they go on and that's kind of, yeah, sometimes need to look in the, <laughs> go, to that, go to the clearance. Hall. But here's the thing. So I tried that out, loved, loved the pair, checked out their website. Cause their website has way more variety options than if you go to the target section. Even today when we're at the target section, they don't have the kind that I like. I haven't tried the mesh kind that you've described, Ryan, but I'm intrigued to try it. Um, but yeah, what I found on their website, I mean, anyone can go. It's kind of awkward. You can go to this website and see the kind of underwear that I'm wearing, but you can go to the, the <laughs> Pair of Thieves website. And what I like is the slim fit boxer shorts. So they're not boxer briefs. Ooh. I've made the switch back to boxer shorts, mm. but... They're like slim fit. slim fit. They're not like baggy because there's they have a longer boxer short and then they have the slim fit, which is kind of trimmer. And I'm a trim guy. And I was like, I think that was my problem with boxer shorts was just the dimensions. It just felt too big. And then obviously tidy whities was too small. And so mm-hmm. I was just like, the boxer briefs is a nice medium. But I found that this slim fit boxer really just works for me. Um, and that's, that is now where I'm at. And I feel like it's been literally a a 32 year journey getting here, getting to this point. But I feel like I've finally arrived after trying mm. Cause I didn't even leave. I'm, you know, I've condensed this story a lot. I've tried seven other underwear companies in the meantime, mm. but this is the one I feel like, I feel like I've arrived. Like I feel good about wearing those and they have like, and getting back to like the look, like, yeah, nobody's seeing them per se, 
but there's a confidence there that I appreciate and that translates. It's why I've really changed my entire wardrobe from the inside out sure. the last few years. Cause I used to just wear bla- blacks and grays and whites both underneath my outer clothing and my outer clothing itself. And now I've been very intentional about colorizing my wardrobe, both what you see and what you don't see. And it kind of goes a long way actually to instilling kind of some kind of a confidence, an extra boost in my steps, I feel a little more seen. I feel a little more adventurous. I feel mm. a little more, I don't know, confident is the word I would use. And I, I need all the confidence I can get. So that was probably talking way like too it. long about no, that was underwear. A, that was an excellent <laughs> journey. That went see and see here. I thought that we were going to be playing in the shallow end, but we mm-hmm. yeah, you said we doggy paddled back to the shallow, we, but that was actually pretty no, deep. Definitely, thank you, Tom. Yeah, I'll share an extra like funny story about underwear from uh, this would be like ninth grade. Um, you know, being like fourteen, I was very concerned about spontaneous erections, um, <laughs> and that is a great band name, by the way. <laughs> I'm gonna jot that down. And so I wore whitey tighties most of the time um, because I believe that would help with that kind of situation, like, you know, a little more control, maybe a little more like um, uh, a little less obvious if it happens when it happens. Um, but but everyone in everyone else uh, apparently wore boxers. And so for like the month and a half or something that, I had to change clothes for gym class. I like got a few pairs of boxes just to wear during those months so I could fit in in the locker room because I didn't want to be like the <laughs> oh, one, that's so cute. one kid with the tidy whities Yeah, yeah. Nice. Oh, I hated being that kid. That was mm. the worst. I would intentionally like get to PE as late as I could to give myself like the least amount of eyeballs on me changing. Mm-hmm. Like I would always think about stuff like that. Like, oh my gosh, everyone's going to notice that I'm still wearing like second grader underwear hmm. yeah i've just never been able to wear boxers i believe i've owned a couple of pairs have you have you dabbled life. yeah i have I just but it feels too there. much like you're not wearing underwear which mm. i don't i'm telling enjoy. you the slim fit <laughs> <laughs> try out the slim yeah fit. That is so i'm trying out yeah so I'm, I'm i'm sold completely sold on the slim fit boxer that is to death do i part that is my <laughs> ride or die. Wow. But, um, but I also need, I would like some variety with when I'm athletic. So when I'm doing, when I'm doing CrossFit and when I'm running, like I would like, like I wouldn't wear that during that. I would want some sure. kind of more support. So I'm trying out the mesh and I'm going to see how that goes just for like the moisture wick, whatever <laughs> material that, whatever they call it, you know? So I'm going to, I'm going to try to find, yeah, a good balance between my athletic underwear and then just my casual rest of my life underwear. So I feel good about at least knocking out like 75% of my undergarments now. I, I feel good about that decision. And Pair of Thieves, big shout out to Pair of Thieves, <laughs> our feature sponsor of the show. They make fantastic socks and undershirts. Um, like Jacob, you are now sporting a Pair of Thieves undershirt. I am actually, brand new. I'm actually wearing one as this tell, is being recorded. Tell them how our future sponsor, tell, tell them how it feels. How does it feel? It Keeping does, in mind, it's our future sponsor. Sure, yes, absolutely. <laughs> it feels good, definitely. It's got a nice fit, soft fabric. It's wicking it's like, away all of the moisture. Yeah, it's it is really soft, Breathable. I, I will say, though, as a future sponsor, that <laughs> they are a little pricey. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. For but you're getting shirts, your bang was for your buck. Maybe somewhere like $23, which seems like 
quite a bit for shirts that I'm wearing, but only underneath other shirts. Keep in mind, though, listeners will have a, a future offer code that yes. they can use for um, like 40% off or something. Free. No, I'm thinking 40%. 40%. Yeah, we're gonna 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 really go yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're going to really go Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to... Um, yeah, and so I've started using their socks. Getting you were complimenting my socks earlier and how like fancy nice and colorful socks. they are. Yeah, yep. I'm I'm taking this whole thing like the so- I told Jacob earlier. The socks piece is the last piece of my wardrobe that needs to come together because I think I've done. A, I honestly think I've done a fantastic job revolutionizing <laughs> revolutionizing my my shirts and my pants and my underwear. And now it's just my socks because I used to just wear boring white athletic socks the whole time like 30 years of my life. And now I'm making the switch to funner, more adventurous, comfortable socks. And I will be complete. I will have arrived as a man when this happens. (laughs) So (laughs) stay tuned. (laughs) All right, brothers. Well, that was the brother beat. Well done. There should be a a jingle. If Dean were here, he sang it when Mm. he was on the show, but alas, alas, big shout out to Dean. Um, Those are brother beats. If you want to hear what we didn't talk about, Subscribe to the Yabalog. That's the way to go, really. Just subscribe to the Yabalog. Become a Yabber and everything is going to be better in your life. That's the moral of the story. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Big shout out to our faithful Yabbers and Yabbies. And um, big shout out to all of our iTunes raiders and reviewers. Our master raiders. Right, Ryan? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> master raiders. Um, once again, back-to-back months. Don't have any new ratings or reviews to share with you. I feel like it almost feels like we've reached our pinnacle. Like, this is it. No one else is Peaked. listening. We, no one else is new. No one knew. Like, we got everybody. The whole world is listening. And we don't even have 100 reviews. I know. We're so close. Mm. We're up to 91 as of this recording. So, so I don't know. If there is nine other people in this world who happen to listen, you could be a part of history and helping us get to triple-digit reviews. Not many podcasts get there. So we would love to get there with your help. And thanks to everyone who has rated and reviewed. It really has been so meaningful to read and listen to how this show, this this work, and the, these conversations have just impacted people all over the world. It's like really been awesome. So so thanks to all of you guys for taking the time to do that. It means a lot. And a big shout out to our current sponsor. So I know we want Pair of Thieves as a future sponsor. <laughs> and honestly, more than any other brand or company, that is literally one that I would be thrilled to have supporting your other brother's podcast. But until that day, um, we had a great podcast last time and a great sponsor last time with Woodworking Glue. And in the aftermath of that episode, it was really just, it's really affirming when, you know, we have an authentic, deep conversation and and things randomly come up in the episode. And then we get approached by a sponsor who loves what we're doing because of our conversation and what we did. And so um, thanks to Woodworking Glue for starting this conversation on intimacy and thanks to our sponsor for this episode, Birdhouses, for sponsoring this episode. Birdhouses, providing intimate homes for creatures of the air mm. for millennia. 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 Yeah, absolutely. Millennia. 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 You can go back to the Stone Ages or the the Jurassic Age yes. or um, the Renaissance, and you can find these little intimate homes for these little birdies, little I- sparrows. I'm really, really impressed by our sponsor, too, because they do also provide houses for single celibate birds. Mm. (laughs) Yes. That's really important. (laughs) That is really important. (laughs) The single celibate birds in our midst, they have a home, Mm. and we are so grateful for for birdhouses. Thank you for sponsoring this continuing conversation on intimacy. Again.
More intimacy. More intimacy. It's a poetic title as we dive deeper into these waters. Mm. Um, yeah, I've already gotten some really great feedback from some folks about our intimacy conversation. So it's great to be able to regather with you guys and to talk even more about intimacy. Oh, I just thought of the sequel title. Okay, better late than never. Yes, <laughs> breaking title, breaking news. What is the title okay. line of your, of this podcast? Two podcast, two intimacy, like too fast, too furious. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That is what we need. We will, we will, um, yes, we will affectionately regard this podcast as two, two podcast, two intimacy. And you're envisioning that with the number two, definitely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah for sure. Mm. Two podcast, two intimacy. There we go. It's really it is, rolls so right off the top. <laughs> really rolls, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I can't wait to make the the title card for that for this episode. So we got a comment on the last uh, on the last podcast from Andre in Australia. He says, "I've also wondered about all the things in the Old Testament in this life now that are a shadow of the things to come. So the Passover lamb was." the shadow of Jesus as the lamb who was slaughtered for our sins. The Old Testament temple was a shadow of the intimacy of God dwelling his spirit in our bodies. Also, the prophets, kings, were all shadows of Jesus. We also know that marriage is a shadow of the heavenly reality of being in relationship with God, where we are the bride and God is the groom. My answer, my sorry, my question is, in what way are lovemaking and genitals shadows of some heavenly intimacy i don't think the bible answers this but a curious question we have such like smart mm. listeners yeah <laughs> that is such a smart like intuitive question like talking about the shadows the poetry of of scripture from old testament to new and and seeing how those connect and it's so fascinating to think about how where we are now in this in this like quote-unquote new testament world like where what foreshadowings are happening now that are going to be fulfilled in the next chapter. That's so fun to think about. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. What is the answer? <laughs> Do you have it? any yeah. insights y'all? That's a really good question. The first thing that I thought about was in the book of John, where Jesus is praying for all of the believers. And he talks about this desire for unity and that, we would all become one just as he and the father are one. And that's something that that language of oneness and unity is very common when talking about sex in a biblical way. And so to me, it feels like this, it's a picture that I think points to the kind of unity and oneness and vulnerability that will be a, perfect reality in the new heavens and the new earth, both with one another and then also our connection to Jesus finally having the perfect unity as he shares with the other persons of the Trinity. Hmm. Yeah. So in addition to what you said, Jacob, I think, you know, I think that's a really good image of the, where, where kind of sexual intimacy, what that points us to in, um, in kind of the, our trajectory that we have collectively into eternity. Um, but then thinking about like, um, thinking about genitals and intimacy in the Bible, um, I, for some reason thought like what popped into my head was circumcision. And, 
Um, and I was imagining like in biblical times, like what, what's this, what's this interaction like? Like if you, if you decide to, um, follow the God of Israel as, as an adult man and like deciding to become circumcised, which was a thing that happened. Um, like what's that, what's that like, you know, like, <laughs> like, do you, do you meet the priest the day of, or is it Sounds like somebody time. you have yeah. this existing relationship with and you're like, okay, um, yeah. So just sit here and like, and then there's sip, like, sip. there's a lot of trust there, you know, like there's a lot of trust and, there's, there's pain. Talk about intimacy. Yeah. Yeah. And there's blood. And, um, and that kind of led me to think of, uh, this passage in Colossians two, Colossians two, nine for in him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority in him. Also, you are circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ having been buried with him in baptism in which you are also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. So in some translations um, say uh, they translate this phrase by the circumcision of Christ. Uh, they translate it as circumcision by Christ's hands. And the image is that like Christ is the one circumcising you. And I don't know, I guess, I guess I've thought that's, um, that's kind of this beautiful image of like of intimacy, but also the way um, Christ is kind of like the surgeon to um, to do the the hard, painful but intimate work in your heart of cutting away um, cutting away the old flesh that um, that you can't do on your own. And that you do, you do trust him in his hands and kind of present your most private, darkest parts to him to, um, you know, to, to handle and deal with and to, um, and to come close to. So I thought, yeah. And it's, it's such an interesting picture because it's not sexual at all. Like there's, there might be, there is conceivably some kind of affection there, but it's like, this is not you know, you're not going into the situation like, <laughs> you know, like with, <laughs> with a sexual thought. <laughs> sure. Right? right. That's good. Those are good thoughts, y'all. And I've also thought about just like when it comes down to commands, like divine commands, you look in Genesis and the command given is to, to Adam and Eve is to be fruitful and multiply. And so that implies procreation on a really basic biological level and you go to the New Testament and like, what are some of Jesus's last words are go and make more disciples and essentially be fruitful and multiply, not in a procreative sense, but in a more metaphorical and a spiritual sense, mm -hmm. like go and make disciples and increase. And so when I think about like what the next chapter of that could be as far as lovemaking or like reproduction, like, I don't know. It's like when we get to the next phase, the next chapter, and it's all disciples of Jesus in one place, like we're going to be multiplying praises and adoration and worship in an eternal and in infinite setting. And that's what we're going to be creating essentially nonstop. And that's what I think of when I think about just like, what are we creating in paradise? What are we constantly making? And it's, we're making praise and it never ends. And, and I'd like to think there's that relational aspect too. Like I'll still get to, while the praise is happening, I get to like reconnect with Jacob or I get to see Ryan again, or I get to see my like 
friend from sixth grade that's not my friend anymore and we get to like catch up and just like connect and worship and like connect together like I'd like to think there's that relational aspect as well that essentially we'll have the rest of time to get to know not only the brothers and sisters from from our lives but then just like all from untold yeah decades centuries and millennia of all these people who have who have followed this road together like that's that's such a cool concept to me like there's going to be all Mm. this I'd like to think I don't know it's pure theorizing but I'd like to think that we'll be able to do that I like that if that's inaccurate with your theology, I'm sorry, but that's just what I choose to <laughs> believe. <laughs> really good question. Yeah, we got some some good comments on on this episode um, of the podcast, and then we also got this like exclusive message from a straight man here. Exclusive, exclusive mm. straight man listener. We got this um, comment because we referenced in the last episode, like what would it, what's like what do straight men think of as intimate, as far as like outside of women, like intimate feelings and experiences with women. Like what, what is that? And so Jacob, maybe you can speak to this perspective a little bit. You have a, you have a connection. I do. (laughs) I do have a connection. Uh, this exclusive straight man that has listened to our podcast happens to be my brother. And so he was able to give a little bit of feedback from that episode and talked about how for, all of his life that in general intimacy with other guys has always been more important than intimacy with women, except for when romance and that kind of attraction comes into play, then that seems to be the one that does supersede the others. But other than that, having those connections with other guys has always been top priority for him and for him as like a married person like he's kind of he's limited in just the practical way like there's one woman that he experiences that level of intimacy with versus Mm -hmm. a whole host of male friends that he can connect with and interact with day to day week to week that was really interesting to just like get that perspective from him that i don't know that i would have expected that response i guess i just assume that straight men just always are infatuated with women and hanging out with men or having that, even using that term intimacy, like that would just not, it would be off-putting or it wouldn't mm-hmm. be accurate maybe. I don't know. Like it was interesting to get his response about that. Yeah. So big shout out to Jacob's brother. Indeed. Yeah. Also just want to say that I happen to have one of the best brothers on the planet. So shout out to <laughs> him because he's pretty great. And my brother... <laughs> totally beat up your brother. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> My brother's been on right. this show. No, we need to get Bring your brother on, on. This is a big invitation to Jacob's brother. Come on the Obcast. Be straight with us. <laughs> <laughs> Shooting straight. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, we'll name this segment Shooting Straight with, <laughs> Jake, <laughs> with Jacob's Shoot brother. Straight with we Jacob's should. Brother. Are we intentionally not using his name? I don't think he minds. <laughs> I just, I just big shout out to Xavier. <laughs> I just haven't asked him, so I was walking with caution. Yeah. No, shooting straight. We should we should have like a big red button that we can push at any time and bring in the straight voice mm. for just a segment. I think that would be fantastic. Love that. So yeah, let's dive deeper. As we've like continued to just reference the last episode, I, I still want to move forward and and talk more about intimate stories. Where was your what were y'all's thoughts after the last podcast? Did you feel good about it? Did you feel? Um, I don't know. Did you feel 
it was too vulnerable at times. I know for me, I'll just save my perspective. There were, I went into it with that trepidation of not knowing where this podcast was going and what stories would come up and, and what memories it would trigger. Cause I've had this, this really hard journey with intimacy and figuring it out with different friendships and learning boundaries and, and having these memories like haunting me from friendships that used to be intimate and no longer are. Um, and I remember, yeah, I remember there was a stretch of it that was difficult that felt like it was starting to unearth some things. And so it was, it was simultaneously good to like start to talk about it and face it and not be afraid of it. Um, and I have this like, yeah, this dual reaction now to go even deeper as I'm thinking about stories, other stories from my life that I feel like I want to share, but also feel really difficult to. So part of me doesn't want to, but part of me feels this like compulsion that I need to. <laughs> and, uh, and I, yeah. And I'd like to think by the end of this hour together that I will have shared them and will be all the better for it. But I was curious as y'all were processing it, do y'all just have any negative stories? <laughs> do you have, do you have any stories that you're like, just like, nope, not sharing that one. Or have you thought about sharing for this podcast or, like, I don't know, just, I want to gauge the comfort level of maybe the lesser popular intimate stories from your lives. So like stories where intimacy went wrong or stories where like, well, either that, either way, like either maybe inappropriate lines were crossed where it, was, it went from something intimate and special to just like not good, not healthy or stories that I'm going to share, um, which include just like just relationships that used to be intimate that no longer are and how that does that affect your view of intimacy moving forward as it does me, or am I just the only freak or the only person that's just like scarred or has trouble with intimacy? I don't know. I, I definitely have those relationships that were intimate at one point, but, mm. um, but aren't anymore just cause like they've, we've each kind of moved on for whatever reason. And I guess that's led me to see intimacy as something that uh, comes and goes in a relationship and the relationships that, that I still have that are intimate over, you know, probably my longest running relationship that I'd consider intimate. It's probably about 12 years by now. Um, wow. Like, I can point to that one and say, Hey, look, you know, sometimes, sometimes people do stick around. Like sometimes the relationship does survive over, over that period of time. But what is more typical is just that people have different stages of life and, um, and, you know, and to be fair, part of some of those things have been caused by, um, you know, like, uh, well, me, I guess like that's, um, <laughs> no, right. I mean, I don't want to say like, I don't want to say that cause it sounds just saying that is unfair to me, but I'll, I'll claim at first that like some of the unhealthy patterns were mine and the other person, um, you know, it's usually fair to say didn't respond very well or didn't handle it very well. And, um, and so it's not, it's not just that, many relationships, many friendships just have this natural life cycle that doesn't last forever, but also that my own brokenness has kind of caused that to, um, kind of caused that to come to a close. Um, you know, I'm thinking one thing that comes to mind is, um, is my friendship with, um, with a fellow named John who I blogged about last year sometime. 
Um, and you know, I, I think that was a relationship where, where I felt that I had opened up a lot to him and he had sort of opened up to me, but his personality and his ideals of friendship were so different that, um, that it was kind of unbalanced where, um, where I was offering way more in intimacy than, than I think he was. And I think that unbalance was one of the things that, um, that really started to cause, cause that relationship to fall apart. Yeah. So what's like, so how does that affect your psyche, Ryan? I'm trying to get into where y'all are coming from. So it's compare it to me to make myself feel worse and different because <laughs> that's what I do. <laughs> oh, this is um, fun and cool. Yeah. This is <laughs> <laughs> like, like you, you mentioned this like whole, this just like this part of life, like it comes and it goes moments of intimacy with people. Um, and sometimes it's your fault and sometimes it's the other person's fault. Like, does that affect your relationships ever like today and moving forward? Does it, do you ever like think about that? Like, Oh, like I experienced intimacy with person, this person now, and I may not in five years or, or is that something that only I do? Cause I feel like that's something that now more than ever, that is what I do. Like I am constantly aware of when I experience special, sacred, intimate moments with people and I can all, I feel like the only thing I can think about sometimes is like, wow, this is going to end <laughs> at some point because mm-hmm. we live in a fallen world and relationships are so hard to maintain and continue and deepen and grow. And I just, I don't know, I feel this despondency that I've never felt or not that I've never felt, but I just have, I feel it more strongly now than I ever have. I feel that way towards individuals. Like, so someone who I have had that kind of relationship with and then, and then, we sort of move on and, and aren't like that anymore. Like I have a really hard time imagining myself getting that close to them again. Um, especially if there's some sort of heartbreak at the end of it. Um, so yeah, I, I relate to that with like specific, with regards to specific individuals, but, um, but I think my, my leaning into intimacy with people is so driven is driven much more, but by just, I desperately want it and less I feel like it that that desire to have that intimacy isn't really easily restrained by bad experiences in my history um and so yeah not that not that those experiences don't weigh on me but I think that it's never for me it's never been enough to stop me from um from eventually kind of pursuing intimacy with different people again. Hmm. Yeah, I would echo a lot of that of while I have had friendships where intimacy was ex- was experienced and then things have happened whether it be because of me or because of them or whatnot to where that closeness is no longer possible. I've had it hasn't happened often enough to where at this point I don't find that I have a fear of pursuing it. And this could be in part just that experience, but also being the youngest one here too, of just having less time that I've been on this earth to go through some of those things. But something that I have have learned and are learning as I grow is that I have such a passionate desire for intimacy. And in order for it to become something good and something healthy and something 
lasting, I have to understand the simple truth that not everyone's me. Like people have fears mm-hmm. of intimacy. They have different wounds in their past that make it harder to get close and have that. And me just trying to push for it harder or to force it to happen or to do that is just not a good approach. And so learning how to find, how to meet people more where they are and let intimacy grow in a natural way, as opposed to something that I desperately want and try to do whatever I can to make it happen. And Mm -hmm. that just doesn't lead to good results. Yeah. Yeah. So one story that I've blogged about that I definitely wanted to bring up on this podcast and kind of the context, one of the contexts, I have lots of, (laughs) I have several relationships I can draw from as far as this like despondency that I feel. Um, But one that like definitely sticks out was the first one of the first times that, uh, that I kind of felt that intimacy and then the loss of intimacy, um, it was with a straight guy, like one of the, I don't know, one of the more meaningful relationships. It felt like one of those giant step forwards in life where I could share my story with a straight man and not be rejected and be accepted. Um, back in the days before, yeah, before Yab existed, before I've written books and while I was still very, yeah, early into my journey of, of navigating sexuality and, and community and vulnerability and all those pieces, I, I got to share my story and we walked around a park and we did like three laps around a park as we're just walking side by side. And I'm telling this guy, this fellow, fellow believer about, about, yeah, about being attracted to men from as long as I can remember and, and how not many people in my life knew about it. And, and it's just been this like thing that's followed me and this shadow that's been in my heart for as long as I could remember. And, and just got to share like a really deep, raw conversation with him walking laps around this park. And, and I love that, like, this is one of my top five relational moments. I don't know if y'all create top relational moments. <laughs> I mentioned last time about having like a trophy case of, of like intimacy, intimate moments, like sacred, um, you know, like from the, the from the movie Inside Out, there's all those little glowy balls. Mm-hmm. Have you guys seen that? Mm-hmm. So like I have this little trophy case of the glowy balls <laughs> of uh, sacred intimate moments. And this is like in that elite part of it was was walking laps around this park with a straight guy telling him my story. And at various junctures around the park, we would just stop and and he would hug me. And it would just be like five seconds, 10 seconds, 20 seconds long of just like him hugging me as we walk around the park. Like it happened at least... I want to say at least three times, if not four or five, even, um, I forget, but, but yeah, it's just like regular intervals where a part of the conversation got hard and, and he said it was okay. And he would hug me and we would keep going and talk some more. And, and that culminated all with sitting on a bench together. We just found a corner of the park with a bench and sat down and he asked if he could pray for me. And, and so then, you know, I, bow my head and close my eyes like a good little Christian boy. And he sets his hand on my shoulder. Um, and he was a big proponent of, of prayer being like a two way street of, of, of speaking and, and talking to God, but then also stopping and listening and just being silent. And, and, and so like he's, he prayed some stuff and then it was just quiet and he just let it sit. And so we're just sitting there in the silence, him with his hand on my shoulder and we're just sitting there listening. And I'm just like, sitting there listening and I feel this warm, this warmth, you know, emanating into my shoulder that I've never felt before. And, 
and it was really special because a what he said after it's like words that I can never forget is in the aftermath of that silence, which, you know, probably lasted a solid two minutes, three minutes of just silence sitting there. Um, and he just prayed that like he saw an image of Tom on a battlefield and, and wearing armor that's too big. And he's like struggling to put it on and struggling to stand up, but he's, but he's doing it. He's, he's putting on the armor and he's, he's staggering forward and he's got his sword wielded and his shield and his armor. And, and it's awkward and it's clunky and it's, it's tough, but he's, he's moving forward essentially in the battle and he's not content to just lay down and, and not fight. And there's such a power in that vision for whatever he gleaned from that moment of silence of just like seeing this vision of me on a battlefield of like learning how to do this, essentially learning how to fight, learning how to exist, learning how to progress and like, and we hugged again after, after the prayer saying amen and walking away, like, um, like that moment to me is so sacred. Like it's, like I said, it's up there in the, the upper echelon of, of these sacred, vulnerable and intimate moments with another human being. And it's just really killer to not be friends with this person anymore. That's just so confusing to me. Like, how could I have had such a meaningful moment that, you know, I can never un learn, unsee, un, un get emotional about, like I'm getting emotional thinking about it. And, and it's hard, I guess, to think about the notion of, yeah, pursuing, I don't want to say pursuing intimacy with anyone cause that's not accurate, but I definitely have this, like, I feel a little gun shy about moments like that. Like, like if someone else wants to pray for me and put their hand on my shoulder and listen for God to speak, like, I don't know, there's this fear and this terror that this moment isn't going to last. Like it's just going to turn into a, a little glowy ball that turns from yellow to blue. And it's just now a sad memory. Mm -hmm. It's still mostly, I don't know. It's still really empowering when I think about that. It's not just all doom and gloom, but there is like this tinge of sadness. There's like, I guess there's a blue, uh, streak or blue stain inside the circle. If you, if you guys have seen inside out, this will make sense, I guess. But, mm -hmm. but yeah, it's kind of like this like weirdly empowering, but also kind of sad moment of intimacy from my life just because I'm not friends with this guy anymore. And it's, that's hard to reconcile. Mm. Thanks for sharing that Tom. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I appreciate what you said, Ryan, cause it kind of gives me this perspective that I can't like, I really can't translate one or two or five or 12, like friendships that dissipated onto all of my friendships. Cause it's not fair to, to my current friends, you know? Um, like you said, it could very well impact individual relationships, like those friendships that either dissipated completely or for whatever reason, took significant steps backward from, like that can make it difficult to re-engage with them. Like that's fair and that's legitimate. But what I have to like monitor in my relationships and my journeys with intimacy with other, with other friends, with other men, like I, I'm trying to, yeah, not let a few sour relationships dictate all the others. Cause that's not fair to, it's not fair to me. It's not, but it's also not fair to my friends. <laughs> of which you, you guys I would include in that list. Like, it's not fair to y'all if I, you know, dump all of my relational failures and intimacy, all the mornings of intimacy with other people onto you guys and don't like enjoy 
strolls through the underwear aisle or, (laughs) or working out at a CrossFit gym with you, like, you know, like learning to enjoy those intimacies with you guys as separate from any relational or intimate failures from the past or like wounds from the past. One thing stuck out to me uh, from that story and that is the intimacy we can find with other people in prayer. Like I think Mm. um, praying together with, with my friends has been, those have been some of the most intimate, some of the sweetest moments that I've had with them and with God. Um, And I think there's a really special kind of intimacy, a special power there of going uh, going to God in prayer together with someone. And I think that when that's combined with physical touch, I believe is such an, mm-hmm. such a important piece to that. And there are lots of biblical examples of people laying on hands yeah. as they're praying for people. And just that contact does something in that moment of intimacy that's really meaningful. Yeah. I mean, Jacob, you told the story on the last episode of, who was it? Your roommate or someone from college? Yeah, a friend from prayed with you. Yeah, friend from college. Yeah, yeah, that was a really great story to like that blessed me just to hear about like wow, like brothers in faith can like literally touch each other and can touch each other on a whole other level too. Obviously, um, it's really just yeah, it's been awesome to be able to have those moments of of intimacy with other believers. Mm-hmm. Um, like that's that's been a blessing time and again to be able to connect because it. I may, I, I think I made the comment on that story that it combines all these levels of intimacies because you have the spiritual dynamic and then you have the physical dynamic and it's like, at least for like for me that was emotional for me when I had this person like speaking over me, speaking this vision and this empowering image over me like it got me emotional and I probably teared up as it was happening so there's like all kinds of um, intimacies converging in in those moments of prayer with other believers I've experienced that yeah a few times now. I think mostly after the last episode, I was left thinking about ways I want more intimacy in my life, like who who those people would be and what kinds of intimacy that would be and how I would pursue that. Um, and I don't know that it really came to any good conclusions, but I was wondering, like just in terms of moving forward, like what are some what are some ways we can pursue intimacy and build intimacy? in our lives or, or how maybe our community like bigger picture hmm. can be cultivating a culture of intimacy. Go Jacob, solve our culture's <laughs> intimacy problems. Wow. Yeah. That's a really, that's a really big question. I think that the first thing that comes to mind is that I think in order to do intimacy well, you have to have a balance of all these different kinds that we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. So we've brought up, mm-hmm emotional and intellectual and spiritual and physical and I have this picture in in my mind it's a metaphor that I've used at different times is that all of these different times kinds of intimacy are buckets that are all connected to this crazy pulley system and as we as we fill these buckets, the the entire system is only maintained in a healthy way when they're all being filled at the same time. That if you start pouring into one and don't have anything else to counterbalance out 
the others, it isn't going to hold up. And I think this is often for me, a helpful way to look at physical intimacy and the different ways that that can be experienced in good and helpful and not good and helpful ways of if you pour everything into that in the pursuit of intimacy, it's going to become an incredibly destructive thing because you don't have the other things to both uh, balance it and to keep it safe. So I think that as like all of those components are really important to the overall system. And so I think as we think about pursuing it as a whole, thinking about those different areas that might, might be weaker, whether that be your emotional connection or your spiritual connection of um, when those pieces are lacking, I think you miss out on the fullness of what true intimacy can, can bring to you. So I think as we approach this being aware of how those different buckets are being filled so that things are kept in balance i think is really important that's a really great picture because with the friend from the story i just told what i can point to so many examples of interacting with this friend over the ensuing months um from that moment of us praying together like i became super like ridiculously codependent on this person especially for his touch like that was something that i just absolutely latched onto and just craved constantly it was just like please keep touching me like keep hugging me and keep putting your hand on my shoulder and just keep like that reassurance, because there was such a reassurance there that um, looking back on it now, like, yeah, I was absolutely obsessed, like with this person's touch and with without really much regard for all those other aspects of intimacy, of spiritual connection, like continuing to do things like pray together or read scripture together or or emotionally, like even just learning more about his life and his struggles and hopes and dreams and getting, connecting more on an emotional level with him instead of it just kind of being this inward focus, like how can this person restore all the broken, wounded parts of me? Like, obviously that was, I gave myself a lot of grace because that was, you know, my first, in many ways, like my first steps out with a straight man. Like he was very instrumental in just kind of showing me some of how the world works and interacting with, with straight men because I didn't really have much opportunity prior to that. And so, um, so I definitely can see how that balanced approach of intimacy, like that can be a really beautiful thing when you have all of those gears and pulleys and buckets like working and filling. Hmm. What about, and I guess maybe now I'm thinking maybe one of my problems is that I just don't like when I want more intimacy, I don't ever voice that with people. Like, what do you think about just telling people I want more intimacy hey, with we you. Need to be more intimate. <laughs> yeah, like, how like should I say that? Yeah. How should I say that? Yeah, maybe not to use the word intimacy. <laughs> I mean, maybe depending on how close you are with said person. I have no problem with the word intimacy. Mm-hmm. I know Jacob doesn't. No. I know you don't either, Ryan. But yeah, like having maybe the right verbiage of like I wish we just prayed together more, or I wish we like once a week or once a month we just like read a chapter of the Bible together or did a devotional or something or. Um, or that can look like anything, like being more vocal. Like if you are a physical touch person about saying, Hey, like, yeah, hugs instead of just like pounding fists goodbye or shaking hands or slapping, you know, whatever the bros do, you know, <laughs> like, Hey, like honestly, like a three second hug would honestly go such a long way when we say goodbye after parting ways, like mm-hmm. 
voicing that if that's intimate for you, if that's meaningful for you. Um, like, I don't think there's wrong, anything wrong with just like voicing little things like that. Like if there, if you notice a lack in emotional intimacy about being vulnerable, having vulnerable conversations or doing, I don't know, whatever's emotional for people, um, or any of those other categories, like you could, you could bring that up with friends in different contexts, I guess. Yeah. I think that's helpful. Like having a specific ask, like, whether it's like yeah. the three second hug or can we pray together more often um, instead of kind of the abstract. <laughs> can, can we, we be, be more, more intimate? Because intimate, yeah. yeah. like yeah. even even if they're OK with the word intimacy, even if that doesn't freak them out, it's still like, well, OK, well, what does that mean? You know, mm-hmm. sure. yeah, I think any conversation on that is actually probably going to sound a lot like things we've already talked about as we've tried to figure out sort of what is it? What is it? look like to where people just have very different ideas in their minds that if you just said I want more intimacy with you they might not be thinking the same thing of what you're thinking and so being able to have Mm. those conversations to talk about what it means and what it can look like I have found to be really helpful I did have I have been in the past I have been sort of uh, burned by the request for more Mm-hmm. intimacy that does just give me more fear of asking. Um, so you've asking asked for, for more intimacy. Yeah. So the, one of the, the stories that comes to mind is that when I, when I first moved to this area and I had a roommate and I didn't really know anyone else here. And so he was, he was sort of in my mind, like we have to become best friends in the world because I don't have anyone else. And like, if this doesn't, if this doesn't work, then I'm just going to be alone and, and sad. And he is not a physical touch person at all, but I definitely am. And we were talking at one point about how we could better love one another and pursue a deeper friendship. And I brought up the idea of like, Hey, like hugs are super meaningful to me. If that would be something that you would be willing to do and just hug me more often, that'd be great. And when he, when he heard that he was, he was fine with it and agreed, but then moving forward, probably hugged me once a week. And in my mind, I was thinking like, I was thinking like four times a day. (laughs) Um, And so I, I didn't actually say that to him, but I did bring it up again that like hey like you know when we had that conversation about um more physical touch like i would really like i would really love to have more of that and he pretty much told me that i was asking for too much um Mm -hmm. and that that wasn't a reasonable thing for me to be wanting and so that was really hurtful and obviously like you can't force people into intimacy and so um, there is some fear and there've been other, other times where, um, yeah, it's just that when you, um, like any kind of rejection, it can really hurt. And when it's something that is as vulnerable as intimacy, when you, the, the whole point is that you are letting down all of your walls to be close to someone. And that's when you're at your most exposed and so asking for that and being turned away is 
really mm. heartbreaking. I will say also there's like a good way to decline that and a not so good way to decline that. And to say like, you know, the good way to decline it is I can see that that's something you really need and I appreciate that, but that's just not a need I can fill. Um, the, it sounds like what he said is like, that's not reasonable. Like you're, you're crazy or that's, that's, a, you know, it's a very kind of shaming way to kind of reject, which of course hurts way, way more. Sure. Yeah. Cause there's absolutely a way, like if you're not able to, like if you're, let's just, if you're just legitimately not able to provide for somebody, like there's total validity in saying that. Like I have friends I mentioned last time, like towards the end of our, our first intimacy podcast, we talked about just like the disconnect in spirituality sometimes and how, you know, as believers, we all need spiritual intimacy. We all need spiritual connection with our, our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we need that to keep going. Like we need that. And if we're friends with unbelievers, non-believers, it's fine. Like, and we should, we should have friendships with them. We should, we should, you know, get out of our bubbles, our Christian bubbles and, and interact and befriend the world. But then in, it's not reasonable to like ask, ask them to pray with us or to like minister to us if they, if they're not on the same trajectory that we're on, you know, like that's not fair to them. That's just one example of, of a spiritual intimacy that you can't force on somebody cause they can't give it back. And, and that could be applied to physical and emotional and, other forms of intimacy too, for whatever reason, if they're not able to, if they're not in a place where they can offer that, you know, we have to have that understanding, I guess, that what we need may not be able to come from that person. And that might kill us. That might just absolutely wreck us that we just want that person to cuddle with us on a couch for an hour watching a movie and they can't provide that for whatever reason. Um, and we have to like, I don't know. I'm speaking to myself. I don't. I don't want to include y'all, but I'm saying for myself, I need to, uh, yeah, I guess show people grace and just take a deep breath and realize that that's where it's good to have a good network of people that we can lean on and not be so dependent on any one person because I think that's where you start to find issues and trouble. If you find one person that you just want all those intimacies, the spiritual, the physical, the emotional, et cetera. Um, not that one person can't provide elements of all of those, but I'm learning the, the value of balance and, um, and just realizing that everyone's in different places in all these different areas, all these different buckets, everyone's got buckets and pulleys going everywhere. And we just got to, have some level of reasonability, I guess, when we're interacting with, with those people in our lives. This is fun. Any other stories come to mind? Yeah. So I was, I was thinking a lot after the last episode of times that I have experienced more recently of like really precious moments of intimacy. And I, I found that there was a very real connection to um, intimate moments and me going through suffering or pain or heartache. And the first per person that comes to mind is actually my ex roommate, former roommate. It feels weird to say ex because ex, like yeah. we're, we're still excellent friends and that's, that's <laughs> still a really good thing. But he, he lived with me for, for excellent. Yes. <laughs> X for excellent. So, so, uh, shout out to my ex, excellent roommate. Um, who's amazing. And he lived with me for almost three years and is easily one of the most intimate friendships that I've had with another guy. And 
yeah, three years of living together. That's yeah. not nothing. It's yeah. a big, big deal. And one of the pieces that comes to mind often is how many times where I was having a hard time or just going through difficult stuff. And um, I would wake him up pretty late at night and I would be sobbing and I would say, hey, mm-hmm. like, I'm not okay. And um, we would usually come out to the living room and he would sit next to me and put his arms around me and just hold me while I sobbed and talked about whatever was um, was feeling heavy. And I think of those, those moments not only being possible because we did have an intimate friendship, but how much the those built upon what we already had and just that the, how much intimacy has grown in the midst of suffering and hardship. And I think about this too a lot with my relationship with Jesus. And I even have a, I've got a, a post on Yab that um, talks about what I, I think it's entitled what I find at the end of myself. And I talk about how in those moments of my deepest and darkest pain of how those have so often been the times that I have felt the closest to Jesus and how those have built upon the intimacy found in, in that uh, connection. And so it feels um, counterintuitive that that suffering would have that kind of impact on how we feel about our most intimate friendships. But um, it, it's a, it's a huge component of, um, how we build that kind of closeness with other people. Yeah. Um, I was watching, uh, one of the Harry Potter movies with a friend the other night and there are these moments. Disclaimer. We do not support. <laughs> we cannot endorse Harry Potter. Not until they sponsor us. You are free. Mm. You are free to believe what <laughs> and you then will. we're all for it. <laughs> right. Yeah. How about a good job? <laughs> um, but and you know, there are these, and it doesn't, this isn't just Harry Potter, but like almost every movie, like it's, you know, this happens a lot in like superhero movies too, where, um, where the characters are going through this devastating loss and they're all like, uh, and it draws them together and they're all kind of, you know, in the moment they're, um, holding each other and crying. Like, like you said, Jacob, um, and they have those moments and I'm watching it kind of like is it wrong that I kind of wish someone would die so that I could have this experience? (laughs) Mm. Yeah. There's something like extremely, I don't know. It's probably not healthy, but to like, there's something that I find as a naturally melancholic person that like tends to see the world through a darker filter than most people. Maybe not most, probably most, I don't know, but seeing like the world as maybe a little sadder than most people and anticipating those moments to come because they're coming like jesus Mm -hmm. said you're gonna you're gonna have trouble the trouble's coming so be ready for it and kind of like anticipating that because like you said um like jacob i've experienced so much spiritual intimacy both with with brothers who have supported me through some hard times and then also just the direct connection with god himself like i just feel closer like something about the tears the literal tears like it like opens some kind of a portal or Mm -hmm. some kind of a window um 
in that relationship where it's like, man, like I'm really crying out to you and I'm really vulnerable right now. And I'm really dependent on you because like without, without God, without Jesus, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. Like nothing makes sense apart from him. And I'm really in those moments of brokenness, whatever the flavor of brokenness at the time is like, I, I realize in those moments of how dependent I am Mm. on him and, and that spiritual connection is made all the more sweeter. Yeah. When there are brothers to, to rally around and behind as well. I guess to like really personalize this, like, honestly, like if I had to put, if I had to like go back to that trophy case, I hate going back to this dang trophy case, but I think about those sacred moments and how actually both of you guys are in that trophy case as well. Um, I was just having a really, really hard go about a year ago and, and just absolutely broke down and lost it when we were all together and and it had been building and building I felt it like building all day it was kind of like this vomit that was there like I felt the vomit of my soul just rising and rising and rising um as we were at an event together and and partaking in that and um and it just reached a point like at the the close of the day where it just had to come out I felt it like I've never felt that much anxiety and just like tears that were building that I knew it had to come out just like literally like the perfect metaphor is is vomiting like for those that do that like I haven't vomited in years but um (laughs) you can like feel it coming you know it's like this rush of something is inside and it's got to come out and and like I remember like Ryan you were conveniently right there and I just absolutely lost it and barreled tears into your shoulder and you held me and I cried and cried for a while and then I took a break to get you water and Jacob stepped in. <laughs> you took in. a break and Jacob <laughs> stepped in and relieved that process. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. And it was in my mind to like, I don't know, should I tell this story or not? Because I, I don't know, like I really valued just each of you being there in that space and in that time as I was just really struggling on all fronts, spiritually and emotionally, relationally, and just having a really really hard day, a really hard weekend, a really hard month. I mean, I could keep zooming out a really hard year. Like it had been a culmination of a lot of things in that moment. And at the same time, like as broken as that moment was, it was just so restorative as well. And, um, and absolutely like, yeah, some of my most intimate moments shared with other human beings. And there just happened to be like 500 others filtering around us as it happened. It was extremely, mortifying in some ways looking back, but also extremely healing and redemptive, um, as well. So big shout out to you guys for, yeah, man. <laughs> for being there, you for, know, for sharing in that intimate moment with always. me. Cause that was, that was a huge moment I w- in my life. I was thinking of that moment too. And I was also torn about like, Oh, would Tom want me to bring this up? Or like, you know, is this my story <laughs> to tell exactly? Um, but it is one of those things that I look back on and that was a very, intimate moment I felt honored by that and also I you know I wasn't thankful for like where you were at but I was thankful for for that that connection I guess um and I think I think that makes sense to you um and also that this is kind of like 
another thing, like kind of in the back of my head, like I felt a lot of compassion for you in the moment, but also there is this thing going on in the back of my head where I was really envious of like, oh, well, Tom, Tom happened to have this breakdown when somebody was nearby, the lucky bastard, like, and (laughs) I never, I never have anyone like this to hold me when I need to break Mm. down and cry. Um, so I'm glad you had that experience, Tom. (laughs) (laughs) If you ever need to conveniently break down while I'm around you, Ryan, I am, my arms are open. Well, I think here's, open for business. here's one di- big difference between you and me is that like, I, I just get a lot of like, okay, things are all right from, from the people around me, especially close friends. And so I'm like really not that likely to ha- to like have that breakdown moment when I'm around people, but it's, it's really more like when I'm alone. See, I can break down anytime, any place. <laughs> there's no stopping me. Like if I need to cry, I'm gonna mm. cry. And yeah, it's it's. I'm glad. I'm glad I brought up the story because it was on my mind to bring up last time, and I'm glad I brought it up this time because, um, yeah, because I don't know. I just as if it wasn't obvious in that moment. Like I never got to just say. I don't think I ever articulated the words "thank you" to each of you for being there in that moment for me because it was a really hard hard time but uh yeah it was such a blessing too like i just i remember going to bed that night just feeling really happy and smiling in this like weird paradoxical way like wow this life is hard and awful right now but at least these two people are there for me and that was just super meaningful one year ago my life hit the biggest question mark the biggest cliff I'd ever faced in three decades. A community and a home, a brotherhood that that I'd built, that I thought was strong, that would last forever, fell out from under me. I, I moved out, got my own studio apartment, and started living alone for the first time in years for the sake of my spiritual health above all else. I went to bed crying some nights, most nights, if I could even fall asleep. I wondered if the last two and a half years of my life had been for nothing, a waste. A waste of time for me and a waste of time for others. I wondered, seriously wondered, if my grandiose visions for brotherhood and belonging were foolish, an impossible dream. I wondered if I could ever love again, if I could ever trust again. And furthermore, if if I was even worthy of being loved or being trusted, I struggled with my own self-worth and my own abilities to be in relationship, to be in healthy, strong, intimate friendship with, with another man. Because when the ground falls out from beneath you, how on earth do you stand again? In Donald Miller's book, Scary Close, He charts his journey with intimacy. And near the beginning of the book, he he talks about his engagement that ultimately fell apart, a relationship that, that needed to end, and a conversation that he had with his good friend Bob. Don, Bob said, I think this is over. I had an office above a Thai restaurant on 23rd at the time. I leaned back in my chair with my feet on the windowsill. I thumbed through a pile of mail I hadn't looked at in weeks. 
He said it again. He said he thought the relationship was over, and I needed to acknowledge the fact. I knew he was right. It had been over for months. Do you want me to get on a plane and help you tell her? He asked sadly. No, I said, I can do it. So I did. It sounds trivial now. Millions of couples break off engagements and nearly all of them are better off because of it. But when you're in it, when you say all those words and don't mean them a couple months later, you feel like a fool. You wonder if your words have power anymore. And what is a man if his words are weakened? Add to this the sadness, the confusing grief involved in hurting somebody, and the forced realization there's something in you so unhealthy and careless it could level a heart. My season of sadness lasted nearly a year, and once again it was Bob who helped me through it. One afternoon when I was back in my office trying to write, Bob called again. He asked how I was and I told him I'd be fine. He asked how I was healing, and I told him I was healing fine. Of course, none of that was true. I wasn't fine at all. I was numb. I kept a bottle of whiskey behind a Bible on the bookshelf, and when everybody went home, I'd have three drinks and listen to music as a way of trying to feel something. You don't sound fine, Bob said. I'd have argued with him, but I was afraid he'd notice I was slurring my words. You know what I've noticed about you, Don, Bob said. What's that, Bob? I've noticed you're good at relationships. I said nothing. I wasn't sure I understood him correctly. Then he said it again, right into the silence of the phone. You're good at relationships, Don, he repeated. The truth is, I hadn't cried since I'd broken off the engagement. Like I said, I'd gone numb. But as he said those absurd words, something in me began to feel again, and all the pain of the season swelled up. I pulled the phone from my ear, dropped my head on the desk, and wept. And as I cried, Bob kept repeating, Don, you're good at relationships. You're still good at them. You've always been good at them. For the next few months, there was a yawning chasm between Bob's affirmation and the way I felt about myself. But he kept calling. And every time he'd call, he'd say it again. You know, Don, you're terrific at relationships. Remember that time you encouraged me? Remember that kid you and I met in Uganda and how much he loved you? Remember that girl you dated years ago who still thinks of you as a brother? We can't let our failures define us, Don. You're good at relationships, and you're only getting better. Like a trial lawyer, he argued his case into my soul, week after week, until the chasm began to close. And so, my brothers, you who have succeeded relationally, and you who have failed, you who have gained friendships, and you who have lost. You who have grown and deepened in intimacy with others, and you who have withered and still yearn. Let us release the lie that we are incompetent or undeserving of love. Let us not isolate. Let us never isolate. And let us not be fearful of this intimacy we so desperately crave, the intimacy we've been beautifully wired to need, May the God who called companionship good call us deeper into relationship with one another. Sharing burdens and pain, yes, but also sharing joy. And above all, doing as Christ himself has called us to do with each and every neighbor, to love him.
Well, that was excellent, guys. It is an honor to be back for too intimate, too soon, too much. <laughs> more, too much. I like that. Intimacy. It's been great to be able to, yeah, to get to dive into a oftentimes hard to define topic and mm. something that is very meaningful and very deep. And it is great to be able to talk about these things with both of you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really enjoyed being able to, not that we don't ever dive to the deep end. I feel like that's kind of our brand on this show, but I don't know the last couple of episodes, it feels a little deeper maybe than in recent memory stories that I can think of podcasts that I can remember doing. So I feel honored to be included with y'all and tied together with y'all on these intimate episodes until the end of time. These episodes will have our names stamped on them. So whether you like it or not, (laughs) that's the way it is. Yeah. And this is, this is like an evergreen topic that I feel like we'll always have more to say about. This will be like the Fast and the Furious franchise. We're uh-huh. going to be doing Intimate Tokyo Drift. Yeah. And we're going to be doing <laughs> yeah. all the other ones. Intimate Hopefully, seven. unlike those, they won't get worse and worse as <laughs> right. we go. Right. Hopefully, our intimacy stories will only grow and deepen and not grow more shallow. And none of us will die in a car accident. Is that too soon? Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. <laughs> too soon. Too much. Too, too much. <laughs> too intimate. Um, if y'all have more intimate stories to share, please do. We love to hear them. We love to read them. We love to respond to them and dialogue with y'all. So yeah, whatever you heard in this episode, if you feel compelled to share, please share. You can go over to our podcast episode page at yourotherbrothers.com slash podcast. Find the episode 48 post on more intimacy and tell us a story. We'd love to, yeah, trade some of those and see what your glowy balls look like i'm curious what our readers and listeners glowy balls look like aren't you jacob wow <laughs> wow aren't you ryan yeah i want to i want to see the glowy <laughs> and, this, and this ends my podcasting career uh, <laughs> thank you everyone no no no, no have no. a good night jacob you're only just getting started and as always not as always as as this whole episode goes thank you birdhouses for mm. sponsoring this podcast for knitting it together for sheltering mm-hmm. us in the storm uh, for giving a sparrow a home a literal home mm-hmm. yep i'm also picturing that these birds are wearing tiny pair of these underwear i think would be <laughs> that would be perfect. so cute yeah oh my gosh bird underwear mm-hmm. bird underwear that's a that's bird a niche sponsor yeah adorable <laughs> Yes, to our future sponsor, Pair of Thieves, we look forward to collaborating with you for many, many episodes to come. You basically have forced us to use your brother beat, you realize. <laughs> well played, By Jacob. Constantly, well played. That's all you gotta do is constantly, constantly <laughs> reference what you brought up. I only brought it up go. once. I didn't bring yeah. it up any other times. That's what, Tom, could, that's what Tom did last time, keeping talking end. about masturbation. There was masturbation a, cleanse, There was yeah. a perfectly long pause between him talking about birdhouses and me saying what kind of underwear that they're wearing so <laughs> that is an easy cut if that needs to happen uh-huh. don't uh-huh. you worry anyway y'all this is a great conversation thanks for being on these episodes jacob mm-hmm. thanks for being here absolutely thank you guys yeah i guess that'll do it for this episode of your other brothers podcast for all your other brothers this is tom this is jacob this is ryan reminding you that you are not alone even the sparrow finds a home or a birdhouse. Hee <laughs> hee. <laughs>
a bird the first home. Time ever, <laughs> first time I've ever tweaked the ending of this segment. <laughs> Tweeted the ending. See you, uh, see you next time, everybody. Bye. See you later. Bye. Thanks for listening to Your Other Brothers Podcast. Navigate more with us at yourotherbrothers.com and comment on this episode at yourotherbrothers.com slash podcast. Subscribe to our show to never miss an episode. And if you enjoy what we do, consider rating and reviewing us on iTunes. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at yourotherbrothers. If you'd like to further support our storytelling effort, consider becoming a yabber. Yabbers pledge monthly and receive perks like calls with authors and other supporters, access to a secret Facebook group, and additional podcast content. Visit patreon.com slash yourotherbros for more information. Don't miss our monthly bonus podcast on Patreon, The Yabalog, featuring responses to previous podcasts, content not featured in public episodes, calls from listeners, and more. Ask us a question or tell us a story by leaving us a message at 706-389-8009. If you're new to the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at podcast at yourotherbrothers.com. You can also write us at Your Other Brothers, P.O. Box 843, Asheville, North Carolina, 28802. Until we journey next time, we're glad you're with us.